it's not enough to protest. You've got to build something as an alternative to what you're protesting. You can't just wait for the next injustice to come up and then scream about it and get your friends and protest and go online and start a website and raise some money or give some money to the ACLU or whatever. Like, that's just not, that's not enough. You have to build, I'm not going to say what it is to build something, but you have to create a positive alternative. You've got to create a, a, a way to heal people and bring people together of some kind of platform. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. I'm your host, Nick Lapara. Thanks for showing up this week. A quick update on the Apple podcast ratings and reviews. Last week, there were 121, and I asked for 130 by this week. That was nine ratings and or reviews. Only nine. Just checked, and there are 124. 124. So three of y'all went and reviewed the podcast over the last week. I won't say that I'm disappointing y'all because I'm not. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe me a damn thing. But I am grateful to the three of y'all that did review in the past week. So grateful. Thank you. And there's still time for the rest of y'all. In fact, there's just plenty of time. There's We've got nothing but time. So take 15 seconds. Go rate and review right now. It's super easy. Okay. Today, we're bringing back an oldie but a goodie. My 10th podcast conversation... 130 podcast episodes ago, can you believe that, was with my friend Rain Wilson. Back then, he was not a friend yet, and we were not connected, and we got connected through a mutual friend, Golrees Lucina, a wonderful human, and also a podcast guest from the past. He invited me to his home to record our conversation, and since then, he has been so kind to help me and help Let's Give a Damn out in several very key and kind ways. I love Rain, his wife Holiday, in the many, 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 many ways they give a damn. I'm bringing this conversation back for several reasons. For one, I want you to hear how mediocre of a podcast host I was back then. Give me some slack, it was my 10th episode. Second, Rain gives us so much wisdom in this conversation, including the opening line of this podcast where he talks about building something as an alternative to what it is you're protesting. That's a huge point, friends, don't miss it. Slacktivism is the name of the game for so many today. It's so easy to sit on a couch, yell and scream at others, type furiously on our keyboard with people we don't agree with. That's not activism. That's not giving a damn. That's not getting shit done. That's easy. The hard stuff is pointing out a problem and then building an alternative, as Rain points out, or pointing out the problem and at the very least being a part of the solution in some way. Again, There's so much goodness in this conversation. I can't wait for you to revisit it. I'm sure you've forgotten most of it if you did listen to it back then. So let's get right into it. Once again, here's my conversation with the incredible Rain Wilson. Let's go. Uh, Rain Wilson, thank you so much for inviting us into your home and for agreeing to do this podcast. Thanks for coming to my home and uh, thanks for having me on your podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, So first of all... um, I want to begin with the question to end all questions. Oh, okay. Let's dive right in. Which kind of bear is best? Wow. Wow. These these kind of deep questions. I tell you Super what. Super deep. You know what I we should to start do? and really destroy you off. Why don't we have our conversation and then come back to it at the end? Perfect. Once I'm warmed up. Perfect. And then we can we can find that way also we won't lose listeners. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because some of them might tune in for five minutes and then if that's you tuning in just for that, 
You're a loser. Shame on you. Shame on you. No, so let's, okay, let's let's get right into it. Uh, we have a lot to accomplish. I have so much that I want to talk to you about, and I'll try not to talk your ear off. I want you to talk my ear off. Let's talk about some of the ways that you're impacting the world, because most people know you from The Officer, your movies, and so on and so forth, but you've chosen to allot a good chunk of your time in life to influencing other people, to uh, affecting the world for, for good, and for, yeah, being a force of good. So... You've been in all these movies, you've done all these things, and yet you've done that. Why? Like, what? what's the impetus behind not just living a very self-serving life and enjoying all the things that you've built? Well, those are very kind things to say. I don't know at the end of the day if I have made any difference whatsoever in the world, but um, but thanks for saying that. You know, um, uh, I'm going to give you two answers. Okay. So number one answer is something I've been thinking about a lot recently. And that is, I was having a conversation with a group of friends a couple years back. And, and this one friend of mine said, we were just talking about life and the philosophy of life and whatnot. And he said, you know, um, here's my philosophy. Just don't be an asshole. He was like, just don't be an asshole. And, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And he's like, that's what you do. Just live your life. Don't be an asshole. And everything's fine. And I thought about it and, you know, and I, you know, people were talking about it and I waited and I was like, you know, wait a second here. Um, I don't know that that's enough anymore. Hmm. I don't know that that's enough. I think that might have been enough maybe in the 80s. Like, don't be an asshole might have been enough. You know, and this is a very common uh, philosophy in American um, and Western culture right now is as long as you're not hurting anyone else, do whatever you want. Right. Everyone leave each other alone. Take care of yourself. Make yourself happy. Keep your family happy. And then everything will be fine. But I don't think we're there anymore. I don't think that's quite enough. I think mm. the way the world is going right now, the the different kinds of ways that uh, the world is falling apart mm-hmm. um, is going to require more of us. So there's 7 billion people on the planet, and if everyone can start with not being an asshole, that's a good place to start. But then what's the next step beyond that, like to help someone else? So if you had 7 billion people on this planet, and every single one of them was doing something to make the life of someone else better, then then you're getting somewhere. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And if you the wider you cast that net, the better, you know, because we're we're tribal organisms as humans and and we want to just take care of our our kids, right? We want our kids to have good lives. We want our wives and our husbands to have good lives and our and then our cousins and our sisters, but can we expand what that means beyond just our immediate family and to the family of humankind? to people that are hurting, to people that are cast out, to people that are alienated, whether it's the very poor, whether it's, you know, people of color and diverse communities that don't feel included, don't feel welcome, don't feel loved. Um, We've got to do more than just not be assholes. I love it. Not being an asshole, great place to start, yeah. but go beyond that because a you know a rising tide raises all ships. So it's great to take care of our families. That's yeah. very noble and good, but that's the least we can do. Then we go out and care for others, figure so, out what our place is. Yeah, exactly. Now you asked me like, why do I do this, or why is this part of my life, or why is it so important to me? And you know, I gotta be. I'm gonna be really honest with Please. you. 
Um, it comes from my faith background. It comes from my religious faith background, which is I'm a member of the Baha'i faith. And if there's one most important thing in the Baha'i faith, it's creating unity and being of service to other people. Mm. And that's what Baha'is all over the world are trying to do. Um, I don't think that one needs to be a Baha'i to do this. One doesn't need to even have a religious faith to be able to do it. But you ask me where I get my inspiration yeah. for it is um, the more I think about my purpose on this earth, uh, the more I realize that um, it's to try and make the world a better place, try and elevate conversations, try and bring people together, try and serve the downtrodden in whatever ways I can. And you know, the interesting thing about it is that I just feel great doing it. Yeah. So we again, another part of Western culture is um, that we have this kind of misconception of like, uh, okay, I want to be happy. Okay, the point of life is to be happy. Okay, let's assume that that's true even though I don't believe it is true. So if the point of life is to be happy, how do you make yourself happy? Well, you know, you got to take care of yourself and you got to eat right and go to yoga classes and, and do things that you like to do and don't let anyone push you around. And, and you know, it's kind of very, it's very self-focused. Now, all of those things are important, but the odd thing is, is that the more you spend your time focusing on helping other people, it actually makes one happier. Absolutely. Um, there's numbers of, of different, you know, studies about about happiness, and it's been a, obviously the focus of a lot of psychology, a lot of podcasts about happiness and and whatnot. But one of the key ingredients is, oddly enough, like the more you do stuff for other people, the happier you get. It's kind of this weird kind of dichotomy. Very much believe that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, I was hoping you'd bring up uh, the faith aspect because I've heard you talk about that in other places. And for me, I'm a person of faith too, the Christian faith, but it's the same It's the same thing. Like, I don't get to truly live out what I say I believe unless I give myself to others. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so I want to talk about Soul Pancake and Lide Haiti. Um, what does that mean, by the way? Lide is... Uh we the girls that we were working with in Haiti we asked them to help us come up with a name and they came up with that name and Lida means leader so it's okay. uh, in yep. Haitian Creole Lida Lida and then Lede is the idea so it's kind of a play on words a little Love bit it. it's kind of leader and idea I was going to talk about you and your like growing up years first but since sure. we already started in there why don't you tell us about I want let's talk about Soul Pancake and Lide Haiti start with start with the uh, the Haiti project and let us tell, tell me what is that about sure well um, I was uh, working with a nonprofit actually in the Seattle area um, I should introduce you uh, they're called Mona Foundation and they support a lot of schools um, and educational initiatives all around the globe and I was doing some fundraising for them and kind of as I had become a celebrity I got inundated with um, Nonprofits wanting me to work with them or help them raise money or MC events or whatever. And so I started to give some very serious thought to like, well, how can I make an impact and what do I, what do I, where do I put my energy? Right. Um, like, you know, kittens with cancer or what, what, what trees, tree huggers for, for, for ferns or whatever, <laughs> you know, what is, and, um, so I started really enjoying working with Mona Foundation and, and realizing how important education was to me. I think we always start kind of really selfishly. I think a lot of times when people get involved in causes, it's because it, it has some selfish 
thing, it impacts them or their families in some way. And then, you know, someone in the family gets a terrible disease and then they... Right, that's when they start worrying about that. That's when they yeah. start really digging into... Yep. And, and that's fine. That's It's human nature. And it was the same with me because, like, I was so grateful for the career I've had as an actor. I'm such lucky for a big, dorky, weird-looking guy that I've been able to have this career. And, and it really was from these great teachers that I had. And uh, I really believed in education and the power of education to transform people. So Mona Foundation was doing a trip to Haiti where it had five different initiatives going at the time. And so my wife and I went to Haiti. This was before the earthquake, a couple months before. And we just fell in love with the country. And it, talk to anyone who goes there regularly. It really gets under your skin. There's something really vital and beautiful. The cultural, the, uh, the culture is vibrant. The music, the art, the, the, the humor, the energy, the, uh, the people are so great and... Um, warm-hearted and 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 fun and 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 plus you know it's one of the poorest places in the world and a little goes a long way there and that's Mm. really something you know we learned that wow you can send a kid to school for a full year all costs for four hundred dollars incredible and uh you know four hundred dollars doesn't get you a whole lot in the united states in the nonprofit world but uh, it sure does in Haiti. So we toured the schools, fell in love with it, and then two months later, the hotel that we had stayed at uh, in Port-au-Prince was just devastated. Mm. Uh, fell down the mountainside. Everyone inside of it was killed. Um, two, 300,000 people died right. in about a minute and a half. And uh, just devastation beyond all imagining. And there was already devastation beyond all imagining before the earthquake, I mean, um, so many broken things about Haiti. So we, um, a few months after that, my wife literally got an email that said, looking for artists to go to Haiti to teach workshops with adolescent girls in the tent camps. So we're like, let's do it. So we went to the Sean Penn's tent camp. Uh, it really was Sean Penn's because he took over running this one tent city on this, hmm. uh, um, on the only nine-hole golf course in Haiti. And it was filled with about 40,000 people living on it. And we did a workshop for about 50 adolescent girls in a little community center that they had built. Of course, the community center was some some plywood poles and palm fronds on the top with like naked babies, chickens, and pigs running, literally running around through our legs as we were working in this community center. And, you know... I was really skeptical because I was like, well, why do these girls need the arts? I mean, they need shoes and they need jobs. You know, they need, you know, I don't know, fresh water. Why are, why are we teaching them poetry and drama and, uh, and photography? And the transformation that these girls made uh, over the two-week workshop was astonishing. They came in so um, shy and frail and self-doubting. And they uh, finished the, the stint with such pride in their work, reading their poems, doing theater games, singing songs for their parents and the, for the community that we brought to, to witness it, the final show. And they hung their artwork work on the walls. And um, it really um, brought them to life and, and gave them a voice. And... Uh, I'd never forget this one little girl went up to my wife and she said, you know, 
she goes, oh, I get it. Other organizations give us shoes and they give us food, but you give us hope. And I think, wow, yeah, it was such a great quote. And, and that's when we, we realized we were on to something. Okay, the arts is not like it is here in the state. We're not trying to teach the arts in Haiti to make professional artists. Um, the arts help build community. They help develop brains. They, they give you your voice. When you learn that your self-expression is important, that means that you're important and you're vital and your journey is important. And um, girls are just treated so poorly in Haiti. They, they do all the work. And um, they're so disrespected. So the incidence of, of sexual abuse is like 40%. Oh, gosh. Um, and uh, they're, just, they're just chattel, you know. Um, so that's when Lide was born. Uh, we took several years in launching it after that. And... Um, really explored where to go and um i don't want to get in maybe maybe we do get into all the nitty-gritty details but it's been a learning process kind of helping to run and yeah. launch a nonprofit has sure. been a big deal but right now we're working with almost 600 girls in about 12 locations um we have a staff of you know 12 full-time haitians and about another 20 part-time haitians we we locally source uh food uh for the girls at the different locations because You've got to be able to eat in order to learn. And for a lot of them, it's the only meal they get in a day. Here's how the poverty works in Haiti. I know I'm yakking. No, no, go for it. Yeah, I want to hear this. I'm yakking a lot. But one time we asked them, uh, how many of you have never had breakfast? And about half the hands went up. So these are girls in their lives. You're talking, looking at 14 and 15-year-old girls who in their entire lives have never had breakfast. They get up in the morning and they drink a cup of water, and that's it. So that's the kind of poverty we're talking about in rural Haiti. That's we, crazy. We work way out in the far reaches of, of rural Haiti doing arts and literacy workshops. As soon as we started doing arts, we, the communities really asked for literacy. They wanted the girls to learn to read, so we, we immediately brought that in. But we do health clinics with them, and we do scholarships for them, try and place them in schools, and hmm. a lot of community-building exercise and leadership, character, traits, um, spiritual virtues kind of work with the girls as well. I have a million questions to ask you about that, but where can people go to learn more about that? If they want to hear, like if they want to read the about us and the mission and the vision and learn more about it. Yeah, uh, org. so L-I-D-E, org. It's all there. Awesome. And we're on Facebook and social media and stuff too. So follow One of my dear friends and his family, she's a doctor um, and, you know, making good money, doing super well. And they moved to Haiti last year. So she works in a clinic full time now. You know, wow. they live right among everybody. I guess his father, uh, his father owned an, an orphanage in a, for a long time. And then they came to take it over because he's getting old. Mm -hmm. Really cool story about like they probably doing really well for themselves, you know, doctor, mm. physician, and they moved their whole family, three kids. They're all white, white family. And uh, wow. they moved over there. It's pretty incredible. Are they homeschooling the kids or are they going to school there? That's or? a great question. Going I don't to French know. school or I don't something know. in Port-au-Prince? Yeah. They're, they're amazing though. Um, that's awesome. So, okay. Soul Pancake. Yeah. A, a whole different animal than Lee Day Haiti, but also something that makes people happy. It inspires people to action. These are not just throwaway videos that are just like, you know, funny cat videos on YouTube or 
it doesn't seem like I've been following Soul Pancake for a long time. It doesn't seem like aimless entertainment just to entertain people. Like there's a purpose. So how did Soul Pancake come about? And it's grown into this incredible thing. I mean, millions of people watching the videos all the time, following what you guys are doing. How did that happen? Well, I know you had Golries, uh, Lucina, on your show yep. uh, not too long she ago. She's amazing. Uh, she's awesome, and uh, she's such a crucial part of our story. And, and if it wasn't for her incredible taste and, and sharpness and, and uh, opinions, we, we wouldn't have what we have now because she's, she's, she's our taste maker. She's <laughs> that we always run everything because she has impeccable taste on aesthetics, on word choices, on fonts, on on videos. Uh, she, she's really, really super smart. Um, so, yeah, you know, Soul Pancake, um, I, uh, Golri's kind of told this story already, uh, but I got well known for doing The Office and uh, this was, I started having conversations with some friends about, hey, wouldn't it be cool to kind of leverage my celebrity of playing this weird character in The Office towards doing something positive in the world and the internet at the time was just the was just terrible we're talking about 2007 2008 um, and we thought about you know doing something at first we thought oh maybe I'll do a podcast or a blogcast or a vlog or you know but should it be about me and we want to build a community so our first stab at it was was a uh, kind of a a combination blog social networking site you could you could join there was membership and there's interaction between the the members talking about life's big questions cuz i really thought that one of the most important things is for young people to be engaged in seeing their life as a journey and not just accepting either the faith the faith of their parents or the belief systems of the culture around them but to really have a safe space to make you know, we wanted to make philosophy cool again, not just something for the classroom. And spirituality, something that could be, you know, vital and explored in a, in a cool way by young people. So, um, but then we found out that, you know, long story short, we found out we were better at making videos than we were at running a website or building a website. So we kind of ditched the website and started making video content and transferred over to being pivoted, as they say, to a, a media company. And... We were lucky to get a, a deal with Google to do content for their, you know, premium YouTube channels. And uh, so we had a budget to make a bunch of videos. And then fortunately, we did a bunch of videos that, that really took off. And so we pivoted from chew on life's big questions to we make stuff that matters, um, providing kind of uplifting and inspiring entertainment in the digital world. I watch them all the time. I love I love the video content. Are are you what's the what's the trajectory? Is it continue like it is, or are there are there other pivots coming uh, to make different types of content, or is it going to keep going with what you know? It's if it's not broken, keep. Well, it's you know it's uh, media business is very tricky because it changes all the time, sure. especially in social media. So, what was true on YouTube for us two to three years ago is no longer true. Right. So. YouTube is mostly inhabited by teens and preteens now. So, um, and then Facebook is by older people. So we've been doing which is more. a weird switch, but yeah, yeah. And we've so we've been doing more Facebook, which started a Snapchat channel. Um, that's always going to be our playground is short form 
digital content, but we've been doing a lot more in television and selling some television pilots right now and um, trying to branch out there. We were recently acquired by Participant Media, which is this fantastic uh, media company uh, founded by Jeff Skoll, who's a billionaire guy who co-founded eBay. And mm. he wants to make, they have a mission as well. So they're a, a, an entertainment company with a mission, same as us. And that is to, you know, engage audiences toward social action, uh, positive social action. And uh, it's been a great marriage so far. Um, we were purchased by them about three or four months ago. And so we are kind of their digital arm. So where gotcha. is it going? More television, probably. Um, and we'll see how the landscape changes um you know more stuff on facebook probably and who knows there's going to be other platforms right. that, that spring up all the time you, you just never know it's it's ever changing can we talk about your early years for a couple minutes okay i would love so i'm always interested to hear about the early years because i think those in early years whatever that means like just your your upbringing because I think those have a, a big part in making us who we are today. Mm -hmm. You know, if your parents or your family was different, you might not have, you might not care about the things that you do. Um, so tell us, give us the quick like survey of, of Rain Wilson growing up. What, what was your family like? And were there any things that happened that made you, uh, maybe it's a faith thing, but what, were there any things that happened that made you really care about people? Um. No, I don't give a shit about people. Yeah, um, basically. So, um, yeah, you know, I so I, I wrote a book that came out last year, The Bassoon King, that kind of goes more into detail in a more comedic way into my upbringing. But, you know, I, it was this weird dichotomy. I grew up in a family of Baha'is, so we were peace-loving, praying and meditating, reading from various religious faiths, um, uh, the Baha'i faith basically believes that all religions are are one religion. Mm. They all come from one God, and that they're all different kind of facets of one kind of eternal faith or changeless faith that comes from God that gets renewed or refreshed by these divine spiritual teachers. And so, as Baha'is, we would read the Bible. You know, we would read the Quran. We would read the writings of the Buddha hmm. uh, and embrace all of these teachings uh, as our own. Um, and I, you know, grew up believing that all the human race is one beautiful, diverse flower garden, um, and that men and women were equal, that science and religion were two wings of a bird, that they should live in harmony. Yeah. So all these beautiful teachings I grew up with, and um, I was this nerdy kid in, in, in suburban Seattle, basically. And But at the same time, like, my home life was not so great, and my parents were uh, very unhappily married, and so it was this weird thing where mm. there was a lot of talk about love, but there was not a lot of actual love in the household, which is Interesting. a very freaky mind trip. Sure. It's not something you ever want to perpetrate on a child, right. where you have kind of a loveless household, but then you're talking about love all the time. Yeah. You're not actualizing yeah. it. So that, pretty, that messed me up. And as soon as I went to college, my parents got a divorce. I mean, literally, like... My plane landed like in they were Boston. all waiting until kids were... Yeah. Exactly. And I was the only child, but I got okay. to Boston and um, uh, to go to Tufts University. And then, boom, my parents got a divorce. Mm. And, uh, and then that's when uh, I really rejected the faith uh, that I grew up in. And I... 
tossed it aside. I, I didn't want anything to do with God and morality and religion was just filled with such hypocrisy. And, and I think in a way I was kind of rebelling against my parents' own hypocrisy. Um, and I moved to New York City and I just wanted to be a, an artist. I just mm. wanted to be a bohemian. I wanted to, you know, live in the village and make What kind theater. of art? I went to, I went, I ended up going to NYU to go to theater school. Okay. So yep. I wanted to be a theater actor and, and do like check off plays that would blow people's minds and change their lives and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, basically what happened was, um, I just, it wasn't working for me and I got really unhappy. Um, and uh, I I was living my dream. This was my dream come true: was to be a bohemian artist in New York City, and I was living that dream. And yet, I was really unhappy. Mm. So I was trying to. That was, I was an interesting conundrum to be in. It just didn't make any sense to me. It's like, how can I be unhappy? How can I be unhappy? This doesn't make sense. I'm acting with great directors. I have an agent. I'm going around New York and auditioning. I wasn't that successful, but I was, you know, I was working. Sure. And um, that's what started kind of my, I skipped my, a lot of my childhood. I know I just jumped into young adulthood, but um, we can go back to childhood too. We, we got to get back to that bear question. <laughs> Eventually. We'll do that right before we wrap okay. up. Um, but um yeah, so that's when I went kind of back on a, on what I would call a spiritual journey. People can call it a philosophical journey. It's just like, what is my life about? Mm. You know, what is really important? Is there meaning? Is there a purpose here? Or do we just, are we a random assortment of molecules? You know, where do I put my focus? And that kind of led me back to the Baha'i faith in, in my 30s. Mm. And... Um, but even then, like you, I, I love that you're doing this. Like, let's give a damn podcast because I still didn't give a damn. I was still a really just a pretty much a selfish asshole for most of my twenties and thirties, and you know, frankly, a good part of my forties too, where I just was focused on myself and my sure. career. I just wanted to. I wouldn't say be. Fa- I never wanted to be famous, but I wanted to be successful and make money and have people like me. So that was, I was very selfishly oriented hmm. for a long, long time. Um, and, uh, you know, finally, I think when the, some of the spiritual lessons of my faith kind of sunk in, that's, that's when I started to kind of give a damn. This is just my own story, by the way. I mean, sure. I, I am so inspired by when I see young people really giving a damn, trying to make a difference in the world. And, and they're just doing it because they just, they have to, you know, they, they, they have compassion for someone who's suffering. They see an injustice in the world and they, and they, and they just jump to try and fight it. Um, I think that that's, uh, really inspiring. And I know I'm just yakking away, but go for it. I want to say this. This is another thing I've been thinking about since Trump got elected. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in a culture of, um, protest so there's a, some law we don't like like oh transgender kids can't use the bathrooms now like i hate that law oh how dare they have that law oh, i hate that law oh, it's it's unjust ah or there's some other you know shooting of an innocent black kid and like i i hate the way the cops are racist and the 
institutionalized racism. I'm, I protest that, and there's a law passed, or you know, there's climate change. You know, coal companies yep. get to dump their crap into a stream. Like, how dare they? How dare they pass that law? And and protest is super important and has played a, a tremendous sure. role in the in the history of our country. And the biggest changes have come through large social movements of protest. So I don't want to downplay them at all, but it's not enough to protest. 100%. You, you have to do, you've got to build something. You've got to build something as an alternative to what you're protesting. You can't just wait for the next injustice to come up and then scream about it and get your friends and protest and go online and start a website and raise some money or give some money to the ACLU or whatever. Like that's just not, that's not enough. You have to, yep. you have to build, I'm not going to say what it is to build something, but you have to create a positive alternative. You've got to create a, a, a way to heal people and bring people together of some kind of platform. So uh, I, I think that's super important. That's huge. It's the reason I'm doing this yeah. is to help people get past the angry tweeting or the, you know, the raising the fist. If they, if we do that, you know, that's fine. But if we do that and don't figure out what our thing is, what's our contribution to the world, yeah. then it's all, I don't, I don't really care that you're upset about that thing because it's not really causing you to act. It's not really causing you to create something that's going to actually change that someday. Yeah. You know, so if you're mad about the, the, the kid that got shot by the police, what are you going to do about it? Are you just going to tweet about it or are you going to go mentor are you going to go yeah. be an agent of change in that in that area in that arena? Because anybody can get on here and I mean that's um, Twitter is not fun anymore, dude. No, like it's, it's not. not. And I'm say, part had, of the not fun. I tweeted the other day. I said Twitter should be named should be renamed Shouter. It's <laughs> yes, just, yeah, it's not tweeting anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's just angry all caps starting from our commander in chief all the way down. It's just we're yeah. all just shouting on there and getting mad at each other, retweeting you know the latest. And then giving our comment or our commentary on top of that. And so I love that. That's and, even, and even larger in like doing something about that thing that you care about, like actively trying to create a world where, God, I just want to go back to the hippie movement where all you need is love. Like just, just go back to just love. Like we need justice and love at the same time. We yeah. need social justice and we need incredible love at the same time. How do you build that across all areas in your life? Um, you know, in a, in a conscious way. And, um, uh, it's hard as hell. And most people give up before they get to that place. Yeah, so then they just hard. stay in the justice, 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 and never get to the, no, it's actually a beautiful marriage with love. Yeah. Like do you, you said, do you see people, some young people succeeding in this, in this way? Not enough. Uh-huh. I'll be I'll be honest. Last couple of years, my family and I have been vagabonds traveling around, so we haven't had a community of people where we can observe this stuff. We've been trying to do our thing, like as we're out and about. I don't see enough. Maybe it was the areas of the country I was in, uh, Pacific Northwest. I don't know. Um, I see a lot in the twenty to thirty range, but teenagers, they're out there. You just said they were. I read an article the other day, a 14-year-old kid starting an entrepreneur center, like social social entrepreneurship, and he's 14. I don't know that kid, but it's right. happening. Right. It's happening. I love it. Um, the Let's Give a Damn family, it's growing, and they're a passionate group of people that want to change the world. Many of them don't know where to start. Many of them um, 
have an idea done on paper, but never go from paper to action. They mm. give up before then and just keep binge watching the latest show on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. What are some practical steps, practical pieces of advice for them to like, this is ground zero. They're starting out. They've got an idea that they're, they're figuring out. They've got a people that they want to go reach, a, a thing they want to go reach, a, a place they want to go impact, but they don't know how to actually get there. They've got the job and kids and student debt they're paying off, whatever the case may be. What would be some, just out of your experience in life, some practical ways they can just get going? Boy, that's such a good question, and I really don't have an answer. Um, uh, you know, I, I just want to, just going back half a sure. step, I, I've, one of the things, I, and I shared that earlier, though, one of the things I really just feel bad about in my life is like, I was so selfish in my 20s and 30s, and just career-obsessed and self-obsessed and narcissistic, and, um, and I still deal with that stuff don't get me wrong but I really wish that I had started younger mm. I wish that there had been podcasts like this when I was younger to to listen to but um uh I think that it is finding that thing that you're most passionate about and then go into what I would call a, a humble posture of learning mm. about it so a lot of times people will be like oh I really don't like this social injustice. I don't like though, you know, women get paid 80 cents on the dollar to men. I don't like that. And so immediately they, they start a website or a letter writing campaign or, or, or something like that, but they, they don't really understand the issue. And I think to go into a humble posture of learning to, that's huge to, um, go to the organizations that you admire intern there, communicate with people, you know, read the books, watch the TED Talks, like really try and steep yourself in the in the vocabulary and see where the need is and where the greatest impact can be made. But I think a lot of people skip that step. They go right to action, and that's admirable, dude. I mean, there's been so many yeah. great action that has been taken by people. You're so glad they went right to action and didn't kind of stop. But you you can do both. It's kind of a false dichotomy. You can do some action, but you can also do some learning, but you've got to be really um, humble about it. When we went to Haiti, you know, one of the biggest mistakes is, you know, um, white guys going into other countries thinking that they know the best way and kind of starting something and saying, oh, this is the best way to do something. And it's it's a kind of a imperialism that's really gross. Um uh, it's even like Oprah just going into Africa and just starting her school, just like building a school and starting a school. Like, you need to learn what people need and learn on the ground. So we spent two years before we did anything where our uh, executive director just traveled around Haiti, just mm. saw what was going on in terms of girls and the arts and education and literacy, went to every province in Haiti um, and saw what was happening and met with people and... Uh, we just tried to really learn. And then one of the things we came up with was like, we're not going to work in Port-au-Prince because that's where all the aid goes is to the big capital city. We're going to work out in the rural areas that need support. And we're never going to go in and just start something. We have to be invited and we have to partner with a local organization. And that has made all the difference. The reason that we've been able to grow to working with 600 girls is because a school or an educational initiative or a or a church or a, a nonprofit um, says, hey, we've got all these girls hanging out. They don't have anything. Would you come do one of your programs with us? Love it. And so then we 
we feel in, and then we're like, okay, we will, but we need your help in this way. We need you to get the girls and notate who's coming and gives us, give us a space and put us in touch with um, cooks and food providers and, you know, help us with this and that and that. And so then we're working side by side with Haitians and we become more humble as an organization what, what do the Haitians need and where do they need us? We're not going to ever go in and tell anyone what they need. Patience is what I hear. I hear patience and a posture of learning, mm-hmm. like just taking it slow, really listening to what the needs are versus what we think the need is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, I think we're going to begin to wrap up here. I have a, a couple more questions. Uh, before I ask those last questions, I want to just take a moment to honor you. I'm really grateful for the ways that you are. I, I know, you know, at the beginning you were trying to defer it and like, I don't know that I've actually done, you know, that much. It takes all of us using our platforms and our influence. And you have a lot of platform and influence. And you could be using that like a number of other, uh, any number of people asshole out there, celebrities. asshole celebrities uh, that are just, you know, you see them with their, whatever, their flashy Instagrams and their flashy cars and flashy houses. And, um, excessive amounts of vacations and in selfish time and you're, you know, sure you, you have whatever, I'm sure you take vacations and you have time for rain in the family, but you've decided to give a large chunk of your life. And I'm sure it'll keep, I I imagine it's going to keep increasing and growing to help other people, to help these amazing people in Haiti that with arts, something that the, the thing I love about it is that I've worked in the nonprofit world for almost 15 years and I've been all over the world. I've seen these things. And we have, we, we come in, the white man, the Westerners come in with our preconceived idea, going back to your last point, about what we think they need. And we give that to them. They need food. They need clothes. And we forget that they also need to be educated. That If they're going to make it out of this, this life that they currently have, they need this to be developed. And they need to have hope, right? Well, education is empowerment. So education yes. is not about handouts. And we're kind of past the handouts. So, you know, in disaster relief, handouts are right. important, but handouts doesn't help anybody grow and, and move forward. So, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. So, but, I you just, know, rather, yeah. let's stop saluting me okay, for a fine. minute. I, I was fortunate in so many ways that I had a couple of good ideas and some amazing collaborators. And sure. I've collaborated on Lee Day Haiti. Honestly, it's with my wife, and we did it together with a awesome. friend, Dr. Catherine Adams. And with she's the, my wife's the one who's done the bulk of the work and 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 dr Catherine adams uh has been moved literally from a beach house in malibu to haiti where she's lived for the last three and a half years it's amazing um and i've just been i would say that's another piece of advice is like don't do it alone like there you go. find a collaboration like find that community of people you know it was it was finding those people uh Golries and shabnam and devon who started soul pancake with me that um, this amazing team and, and a shared sense of vision and purpose. And, and, you know, we're wired to be social beings as, as humans, humans. I was just reading this book called Sapiens, uh, by this, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, this Israeli writer. So good. But, um, Yuval Noah Harari. Okay. Um, so it talks about how humans would have died if we weren't social, like, because the way that our uh, women of the species give birth, they can't, a woman can't have three babies and then also prov- get enough food for them. Do you know what I mean? On her own. Uh, we need a tribe 
to work together as a tribe. We've got to, we would have perished if we didn't have tribes and families and aunts and uncles helping and it, it takes a village and the men hunting and the grandmothers watching the infants and the yeah. and the women harvesting and the social bonds between us like we are we are a social uh creature uh it's it's we're hardwired to work together yeah so we can find new ways to work together and collaborate i think i'm gonna add or modify that question a little bit because this is like the third interview in a row i interviewed Britt gilmore from the giving keys this morning in the downtown l.a and it was the same thing. Like she turned this question a little bit and started talking about the amazing people around. And it's true. Like we, no, no person that's ever been successful uh, hasn't had amazing people around them that contribute because we all fail, right? We've got we've we've got our lane that we run in and that we do really well in. But there's a million other parts to that that we just can't. We don't have eyes on. Yeah. Yeah, and we need those people around. So absolutely. I love that. Thank you yeah. for thank you for deferring that. So I honor you, but also I'm I'm glad for your wife and this doctor and the team Devin and the team because yeah. you're right. Yeah, you're the face of it, right? Because of your roles. Yeah. But these, yeah, it takes amazing people to make to pull this off. Yeah. So, uh, so before I get to the last question, let's do the, the, the which bears best. Come on, we've all we've all been. Uh, okay, well, you know what? We all know that black bear is best, but you know what? Shut the fuck up because <laughs> polar bears are, we're, we're in a social good podcast. They're the ones that need the most help. I love how you turned that. You, you see? That was a pivot You know right what I mean? There. So I went from Dwight into- No brown bear. No, You went yeah. to Dwight into now like Rain Wilson. Let's care about- like, Yeah. The polar bears, like the, the ice flows are all melting and the polar, polar bears, bears are, are starving best. and they need a lot of help. So- Shut up, Jim. If you're looking- Yeah, exactly. If you're looking for some way to make a difference, then go go save the polar bears. This last question is a hypothetical, but I love asking it. It always throws people for a loop. Many years from now, you're going to die. We're all going to die, but you're going to die. And for some odd reason, I'm giving your eulogy. Okay. All of your fans, your friends, your family, all the people that care about you, all these people that you just mentioned that have collaborated with you, your wife, your family, they're all there. And I get to give your eulogy in three to four sentences. What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want me to say? What do you hope that I say? on that day about your legacy what's well, going to outlive you I think you? that's the most important question I'm glad that yes. you ask it because it 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 does frame everything that man I mean here's another thing I think of is our life is such a damn miracle mm. even if and I use the word miracle very specifically now if you're a person of faith you believe it is a miracle of god that right. a, a creative force in the universe gave us the spark of consciousness and and has given us this incredible gift of our life. But even if you don't believe in God, even if you just believe in, as people say, I, I don't believe in God, I believe in science. Like, okay, so even if you just Still. believe in science, even so, it is it's an incredible. amazing miracle that we have consciousness that out of all of these trillions and trillions of molecules out there and all these solar systems on this planet, uh, this one species of animal has consciousness and can cry together and go to Radiohead concerts together and love one another and create beautiful works of art and and culture and 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 come together in, in beautiful ways and uh, and we can witness all this uh, with our senses and see you know an ant running across a leaf and like it's all it's an incredible miracle faith or no faith it is an incredible miracle so it's a it's an incredible gift we get about you know we get a limited number of heartbeats a limited number of times our lungs will pump and limited number of times the earth goes around the sun and then and then it's over so 
Yeah, you know, I guess what I would want to say, for what would my... So that's the the question is, you know, this, this precious resource of life, yeah. our most precious resource, what do we do with it? And, you know, I, I, I do hope that people come to say together to say something like he made a difference. Mm. Uh, he helped make the world a better place. You know, he moved, moved, use a football analogy, moved the ball down the field, uh, you know, an inch or two. And, um, and also hopefully made people laugh. Love it. That's a good legacy. Yeah. That, that wouldn't be so bad. No, it wouldn't be bad at all. Yeah. Well, usually it's at this point that I ask guests to tell people where they can find you, but people, you just go look up yeah, Rain Wilson, you, you can find Soul Pancake, Lee Day, Haiti. Lee, Lee Day, Haiti. Um, can people like give, I mean, is that something people can donate to if oh, they want to see? Okay. Yeah. We'll go there and that's donate. Part of the, uh, that's part of the thing of a nonprofit. Nonprofits yep. are great, but man, fundraising is, is a bitch. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's something I, I'm the main fundraiser for it. So I have to spend a good amount of my, of my year kind of going around doing doing that kind of thing so well they can absolutely uh, yeah uh, absolutely give awesome well thank you so much for inviting us into your home thanks for doing this interview thanks for having me this is awesome good luck on your mission friends i hope you're encouraged right now i hope you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable and challenged and i hope you'll take rain's wise words to heart so much to learn from that man I won't even tell you where to find him online like I usually do with my guests to go follow him because he's super famous. Just go look for him. But if you're not following him, big mistake. He is always sharing great stuff that encourages me on so many levels. You can find Let's Give a Damn on all the socials at Let's Give a Damn. You can find me on all the socials at Nick Lapara. And please hit me up at hello at letsgiveadam.com if you need anything at all, anything, I'm here for you. This show was created by me, produced by Chad Snavely, and the music is by our friend Propaganda. We're part of the Matter Media family, and we're grateful for their partnership. Again, share this episode with a friend or two or ten today. It only takes a few seconds. And leave us a rating and review if you have a couple seconds to spare. I can't wait to spend time with you next week, sending so much love and light to each one of you. Keep giving a damn. Peace. Peace.